Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show's Caregiver Dave Celebrity Segment. And, oh, man, I'm excited to welcome the program, my co-host, Caregiver Dave. Dave, what the heck's going on here, man? You are in paradise. I don't like this. This is not fair to me. <laughs> so, Dave, You know, you I thought me? Hawaii was paradise, but uh, I've, I've changed my mind. Now Acapulco is my new paradise. Ooh, that's and beautiful. besides that, it's one-third the price. I love it. That looks gorgeous. I'm on a working vacation with my wife. Uh, I'm doing a storytelling uh, workshop that I'm attending. And so I figured, why not? You know, besides, she wouldn't let me go without her. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Absolutely. So I'm excited to welcome the program, Kukarel, and he is the Grammy Award winner. How many Grammys have you won? I mean, amazing. And you've worked with such five, a Five artist. Grammys. Five. Tell him, five. And so we're going to learn his story, five. but also the story we really want to talk about, the story of triumph, uh, overcoming cancer, Nine. and helping others. <laughs> God rest so, his soul. Andre Crouch, the godfather of uh, gospel. Yeah, so Coop, thanks for stopping by. How are you, man? I'm great, man. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. All right, so talk about, let's go right to the beginning and say, how did you, did you always want to be involved in music? You know, my mom and, my mom and her sisters, uh, they, I grew up watching them. They were background singers in Chicago for uh, radio and TV commercials and for people like Aretha Franklin, Curtis Mayfield, Ohio Players, and... Uh, they sang with Carol King a couple of times. So um, just them being in the studio all, you know, all the time gave me and my cousins the opportunity to see them, see what, what life was like in music. And, you know, we, we all played instruments, but, you know, we realized that music was in our blood and we knew that that's what we wanted to do, you know, for the rest of our lives. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So how old were you when you realized that uh, this was going to be your passion, music and all, and, uh, you know, hanging out with celebrities and, and other songwriters and musicians? You know, I mean, I was young when I realized that I, I loved music. Um, I think when I was 14, when I was 13 or 14 is when I realized I had a real passion for it. And I decided, I think I figured out, that you know, I started playing instruments and I figured out I wanted to have a career in music. And then that was like 13 or 14. And I think when I was around 16 or 17, um, I was exposed to producers like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, uh, Ellie and Babyface, Quincy Jones. And I realized that that was a niche that I wanted to tap into. And I realized I wanted to be a producer. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing. And when you, figure, when you figure that out, you're like <clears throat> to yourself, are you kidding me? I know exactly what I want to do, but you are everything. Like you could perform, you could do everything. So does that help in a lot of ways when you're producing for other people because you can do everything? Yeah, it does. It definitely helps because that, that um, it helps in basically being a sharpshooter in what it is you do. So like my niche is vocal production. So with me being able to sing and, you know, I'm not a performer, but I can sing. Have, I have that ability along with the mindset of a producer and an arranger and a songwriter that gives me the ability to hear something special when it goes by and capture it and go, no, that's the one and make the final decision as opposed to um, having a whole bunch of different options and going, all right, we'll, we'll worry about it later. But it's like, no, that was magic. That's what we're going with. And you just keep moving forward. Songwriters have always mystified me. I mean, I've met some personally 
and uh, like a songwriter like Carol King or Dolly Parton or Michael yeah. Jackson, yeah. you know, they're all so different. Um, yeah. Where's that stuff come from? Uh, is it out there in the universe? They're plugging into it. Was it always out there and they're just bringing it to light? What, what's your opinion on that? My opinion on that is, you know, for, for, I take that, at, you know, for myself. I, I feel like it's a God-given talent. You know, God gives us the talent because um, that's something I realized when I came into my own niche and my own success is like God had gifted me with this ability. And once I tapped into that as, you know, tapped into him as my source of uh, creativity and ability with the gift, that's when I, for me, I real I feel like that's where it comes from. You know, we all, we all have, have special talent, but I think once we tap into where that true source is, the, the true source of it, we're able to just flow in it, you know? Exactly. Uh, the parts of the brain, some people are very good at lyrics. Some people are very good at melody. Mm -hmm. What's your take on that? Yeah, and why can some people do one and not the other and vice versa? I think it's just their gifting. I think it's everybody's different gifting. Like for me, I'm a songwriter, but I'm more, my mind works more on the songwriting uh, I tap into the melodic side of it and the emotional side of it as not so much the lyric side of it. So, you know, when I hear lyrics, it really, it takes me a long time to process and go, Oh, that's what that means. But when I hear, when I hear melody and I hear, um, and I sense passion and, and emotion of a melody, I'm tapped into that right away. So, so you know, I, the part of the great, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just think it's, it, you know, everybody's different. And I think the, the real thing is just being able to tap into what your special thing is and going with that. Yeah, exactly. That's where the, the powerhouse partnerships come from. Lennon McCartney yeah. and, you know, uh, Elton John and, and his partner yep. there. Yeah, Bryce. Yep, yep. What would you consider your big break? <clears throat> My big break was when I was a, a co-writer and co-producer uh, of a song called Umbrella for Rihanna. Um, me and my cousin Trick Stewart and a guy named Terius Nash, The Dream, we, uh, we all wrote that song and that song changed our lives, changed, um, every, it changed everybody's who, lives who was involved with that record because it was such a global smash and that was my first hit. That was my, uh, yeah, that was my first hit record. How did you get that connection to get that opportunity to, to do that? Uh, let's see, I moved to Atlanta, you know, short story, I moved to Atlanta to work with my cousin, Tricky Stewart. We were writing and producing together and then we met, uh, the, uh, Tricky had known the dream already. I met the dream. Uh, we spent a year together working, basically writing demos and stuff like that. Um, then we, we just kind of, one day we all stumbled into the studio and stumbled onto that idea. It was completely, um, it was completely God-given a God-given opportunity because none of us were expecting to write something that day. Wow. We all showed at the studio. Um, I found the loop of that record, uh, um, the, which is the foundation of it, the drums. I found it in, in Logic, uh, which is also basically like garage band. Found that. We, Tricky and I put drums and music to it, and then Dream came in and put the, the melody and the lyric to it, and the rest is history. How has your success changed you? From, from the Kooten before to the Kooten now. I mean, they, people say that uh, success, if you're a jerk to begin with, you're gonna just become more of a jerk. If you're a great guy, you're gonna become more of a great guy, generous, et cetera. How has it changed you? 
You know, I think it's, um, I think I was, I'm fortunate to have gotten my success later in life. So when we did, we did Umbrella, we, I was 40 years old. Oh my gosh. So you've got to, you know, so you've got to know that, that I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of life experiences up to that point, which had actually already gotten me to a place to where I was settled in. And here's the big thing. I was already settled in my identity as an individual. Yeah. So not, not to say that, um, not to say that I'm perfect or I got it all figured out or I'm, I'm even killed at all times. I think just foundationally, not I think I know, foundationally with that being my, my, my journey, having success later on in life, having already been established and being established in my identity, um, that really, I think that helped out. You know, the success, I think the success was icing on the cake that I was able to come into my own identity, be, be content with who I am as an, as an individual. I want to live my life. I want to live my dreams. I want to live my passion as opposed yeah. to being on the journey or on this journey of wanting to live somebody else's dreams and excitement. <laughs> hard work pays off. And you off. do look very and, content, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. And, 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 and hard work pays off. And you, you went and had to struggle like everyone else, but get into that big break and then wow. So how did it feel winning a Grammy? And winning you all know, the, the, first, the first Grammy, it, I mean, they all feel great. The first Grammy felt incredible because I actually didn't even know I had won it. it uh, the Grammy actually just showed up at the house and uh, my wife and I opened the box and we were like, oh my gosh, what is this? And it's like, it's a, yeah, wow. I saw my name on it. And you know, the first Grammy was for Mary J. Blige. I produced all all her vocals on um, one, of, one of her albums. Um, and yeah, it, it came in the mail and I was, I was blown away. And then the second Grammy, you know, they all feel really, really, really special because it's confirmation that you're doing what you do the right way and you're allowing the creativity to just flow as opposed to just trying to, trying to force something all, all the time. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned God given this and God given that. Mm. I'm assuming you're a man of faith and that you have uh, uh, a relationship with God. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Yes. 100%. I'm a man of, a man of faith, <laughs> man of God. Um, yeah. You know, I um, grew up, grew up in the church and, you know, like everybody, you grow up because your parents and your sure. grandparents want you to go to church. And it, I think, um, you know, we all experience that and we get that foundation and then we all turn 13 or 14 and start doing our own thing. And we want to get away sure. from that because we don't understand the impact <clears throat> of that, that on our lives. Fast forward for me, you know, same thing, fast forward, um, moved to LA and in 1990, six, I believe I had gone to a church in LA and that's when, um, I started my relationship with the Lord and had been exposed to, you know, I, I had been exposed to God and, you know, uh, uh, like a church community that really impacted me and my family. And we got to start our own personal relationship with God, as wow. opposed to having that relationship through parents and grandparents. Sure. Wow. Yeah. So that's again part of it. But then the success and now we're gonna go to the challenge. Why you're yeah. on the show. Because yeah. I'm sure you're busy as we know, just getting a hold of you for a half hour with all the different <laughs> projects you have, even during COVID, doesn't matter. 
you always can lay tracks somewhere. You always could go yeah. produce something somewhere. There always yeah. will be a project. But yeah. what hit you in 2018 was just gigantic. Like that you're saying, wow, all the success at a later age. And then this happens to me. So tell us. Yeah. It. Yeah. So in 2018, I was diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer. It was locally advanced. Um, oh, wow. You know, and of course, you know, of course, that's devastating um, to hear, to hear, you know, to hear that news, I found out because I went to, um, I went for a yearly physical, found out my num my PSA was, was high, um, went, um, so, so I actually, I had gone for my PSA in like 2006, <clears throat> 2016, my number had, was, was a little high, my, my uh, doctor wanted me to get it checked, I was extremely busy, didn't really follow up and go get it checked, went back and um, I didn't go back for another checkup until the, like the end of 2017, my number had doubled and he wow. was like, you're not, you're not getting out of here because there was a, a there's a, um, a urologist also in the building. So he said, you're not leaving this building until you stop downstairs at uh, Dr. Capilouto's office and set up something so we can get this checked out. Went down there, checked it out. You know, he ran, we, uh, did the test um sure enough go back for the results and he said you know because uh, my dad had prostate cancer when he was 70 and just on based off wow. of that information and the, and my numbers you know my urologist said you know i'd be i've been doing this a long time i'd be surprised if you don't have it because of what you're telling me and that and the fact that you waited to come and get it checked out so sure enough um was diagnosed we did the you know we did the biopsy it was diagnosed um uh, at that at that time, I lived in Atlanta and was in the process of moving to Florida, where we live now. And uh, what I decided to do, since my doctors were there in Atlanta, I decided to have my surgery there in Atlanta. So um, because I because there was so much time um, be between me getting you know getting di getting diagnosed and all that stuff, I elected to have my prostate removed. So I had it removed. I was really fortunate. Oh. Yeah, really, really fortunate that they were able to preserve the nerves. So, you know, that was really, that's been a, a great thing. Um, and once the surgery- You're, you're not incontinent? Correct, correct. Yeah, Amen. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So and we- And all the uh, other stuff down there. Yeah, <laughs> all, all is good. Yeah, all is Praise well. God. Yes. So we did that after surgery, uh, we realized that my, that the, some of the, the, you know, the PSA number was still present. So, so, um, the number had gone down significantly, but it was still, I think I was at like one or something like that. And after prostate cancer surgery, it needs to be undetectable. Wow. So mm -hmm. we, we realized that, um, I, my choice was to, uh, my, my only choice was to further, further treatment and have radiation. Uh, do seven weeks of radiation therapy, um, hormone therapy, as well as radiation treatment. Um, in, in the time after the surgery, we had gotten our move done here to Florida. And uh, when we realized I needed to do this, uh, the radiation, I checked that we, my wife and I had gone to a place here in Florida. It's like right up the street, our, um, radiation, uh, radiology place went in there and I just didn't feel comfortable at all with it. I felt like, um, you know, just in my own words, in my own, uh, in my own thoughts, I was going, man, I, I feel like, 
you know, I feel like I'm just going to become a number at this place and I, I, I don't feel comfortable. So I reached out to my manager who is, uh, who is at Rock Nation, uh, Jay Brown, called him and said, hey, listen, I, I'm going through this. This is happening. I've got to have r radiation and I'd like to get a second opinion. What, you know, do you know anybody? He said, absolutely. <clears throat> so he hung, he said, I'll call you back in a few minutes. He hung up, he called me back in like 30 minutes and he said okay so another friend of ours whose name is uh we call him big john his name is um, <clears throat> john platt the year before in 2017 city of hope had honored him at the uh, with the city of life or with i think what is city of life award and uh and uh jay brown called me back and said i just spoke to john and he's gonna get you in LA so I was like wow that's incredible so uh, a week later I was I flew to LA uh, went to City of Hope had my appointment my uh, patient advocate uh, Lu Lupe Santana met me at the front door walked me all the way through all through the hospital gave me the tour then took me to my doctor uh, like personally walked me to my doctor Dr. Dorf and then uh, to Dr. Dan Dapani and um, it's just the, from the time I stepped on the property at City of Hope and Lupe met me there, I felt exactly what the City of Hope is called. I felt hope. Um, for me, I never really approach life. Um, I don't approach life. Uh, I, I try to approach every day with hope. So for me, it was kind of easy to uh, identify it and and connect with it at city of hope so it was a little less of a, a journey to get to that place of going oh okay no we're gonna be okay um so once i once i walked in once lupe met me then i met with dr dorf and dr dandapani i just i really felt like i felt comfortable i felt like dr dorf uh listened to everything that i every question i had <laughs> she, she answered every question i had and i felt like i was going to be able to communicate with her and not be full of fear in any kind of way, and that we were going to get through this um, this challenge. Wow! Yeah. You know, can I can I ask one little question, Neil? Um, re regarding your faith and this uh, predicament, you know, everyone says, "Why do bad things happen to good people?" It's the age-old question. Mm. How did your faith react when you found out that you had this problem? And then, how did your faith get it get you through it? Because a lot of people say you. You know, your faith uh, and a trial, it can either make you better or bitter. Either yeah. way, uh, what, was the, what was the challenge for you? You know, um, I, I, the only way I can explain it, I had one moment of fear. And that one moment was when Dr. Capluto told me that there was cancer present. Um, of course, I was fearful in that moment because it's a shock because you don't want to hear that. But because of my faith and because of how I approach my life with my faith, on the, ride, on the drive home to, to go tell my wife is the moment my faith kicked in. I went, wait a second, I haven't been walking in faith all, the, all these years and studying all this and, and um, working to walk in faith uh, to get to this point to turn and go the other way. Yeah. So at that point, I went, this either... My faith either either works or doesn't work. Yeah. And yeah. and that's what I call, you know, for me, I call call it my rubber meets the road faith. Um <laughs> you know, another example for me is, 
you know, every time I step on an airplane for all the years that I've flown, you know, I, re I recognize this early with my faith. I was like, look, if something goes on, if something goes on, I can't go up in the cockpit and grab the wheel and, and make the stuff go right. What I do know is God said that he's given his angels charge over me to keep me safe in all my ways. So when I jump, every time I step on the jetway, I go, thank you, God, you've given your angels charge over me to keep me safe in all my ways. And we will get to the other side. That's it. I get up there. I, if when turbulence happened, um, and it, it's happened for many, many years, if, if turbulence happened, you know, at first, before I learned this, I would be panicked and I'd be, I'd yeah. just be sitting there for an hour or two. Yeah. And I went, once I realized it's like, no, you either, this either works or it doesn't. So I get up there, right. say my prayer and I go, I'm going to watch a movie, have a glass of wine and have a good time. <laughs> and when turbulence happened, I speak to him, I go, peace, be still. And they stop. And I get to wow. my destination and we go. So for me, that I applied that same principle to this, yeah. to this challenge of it's, it's either, it's rubber meets the road faith that either I either believe it or I don't. Now, let's what a great testimony. So, so Dave, now the reason he's on this program and that is I'm talking about Kook as he's talking about City of Hope, how it did such great things for you and how in your cancer treatment that you want to give back by talking about uh, this new event, uh, Dining dine, dine for Justice. Explain that. Yeah, yeah. So, for so so all of my what I know for di for dining for justice and uh, dining for hope is um it, it's like it's an event that people get to um uh and Bridget, you can help me out. It's like people get to um purchase items that right. What tell me tell me oh. about it again, Bridget? Because I've been doing so much. Um, Dine in for health justice is uh, we're trying to bring uh, health disparities uh, to light so people know about the different things that people of color have to go through. People of color have a higher chance of getting COVID, cancer, and uh, heart disease. And as people want to um, bring awareness to it, they watch a video and they talk about it and they what money they would have donated to uh, City of Hope goes to that and this health justice is they want to you want to sit in have a lunch a dinner talk about the health disparities in the united states with people of color and uh, what money would have spent for the restaurant should go to uh this healthcare initiative instead and kook is uh, on the committee for this event fantastic so when is the event it's all of october uh it's all of October and it's also kicking back up in February of next year. It, this is the inaugural event and it'll be going on for many years to come. All right. Well, thanks awesome. Bridget, for uh, cool. giving us that information. And Thank so you, Bridget, uh, I didn't wanna... has a final question for Kook. Go ahead, Dave. No, I was just uh, saying, I, I didn't want to mess it up. Thank you so much, Bridget, no. for, for making that nice. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's great. Thanks. Thank you, Bridget, for chiming in, but go ahead, Dave, with your final question. So they call me Caregiver Dave. I'm, I'm at caregiverdave.com. Uh, I was just a normal guy like most people. And then 24 years ago, my wife complains about a headache, turned into a stroke, lost mm. her speech, became paralyzed. So, mm. you know, we're, everyone's dealing with something. Yeah. And for the next two years, we struggled. We went through the grief process, almost broke up. We hung in there and, you know, we reinvented ourselves. Uh, our love was rekindled. I realized there's other caregivers out there. Uh, I know you probably had a caregiver when you were going through your situation. Yep. And so um, I found out that 30% of caregivers actually die before their loved ones do. I know I didn't 
I, I wasn't doing too well. So I wanted to help other caregivers not make the same mistakes I made. So I am now a best-selling author. I'm writing my fourth book. I, I'm hosting a radio show. Um, wow. I travel the country speaking on uh, prestigious stages, telling caregivers how they can stay alive and stay out of the hospital. Tell yeah. your caregiver story, please. So my caregiver story is, is my wife, Stephanie. And, you know, she... God bless her. Absolutely. Stephanie, <laughs> and we call her Stevie. And she, it, she was a definite solid rock through the entire process wow. her along with uh with our daughters and our, our sons um the, we moved because i was doing my treatment at uh city of hope we moved we relocated you know the whole family and even the, the girls are the house the, of faith huh absolutely so we all just relocated to los angeles we got a house oh. there and wow. we just posted up and, you know, and it was great because we, just because of how we approach our lives, you know, my wife, we didn't, oh, cool. we didn't lose a beat. Yeah. It was like nothing, nothing stopped. You know, we, we picked up everything, went to LA, closed, boom, arranged the house, made it a home. And, yeah. you know, it was like, we're eating dinner. You know, people were, a lot of our friends who would come by the house, they were surprised. They were like, wait a minute, you guys are out here for what? <laughs> Yeah. Like when I'm doing, you know, cancer treatment at City of Hope. They're like, it just looks like you guys moved here. So I, I credit, my, I credit my wife 100% for, you know, and God, in of there. course, and absolutely. So for, you know, just just pushing us forward. So latest projects, what do you have going on that you can talk us talk about? Oh my gosh, latest projects. I have so many. Uh, there's an artist named Normani. I'm working on her album. Working on Rihanna's new album. Um, I have a, a, a Nickelodeon project that's we're, that we're in the middle of. I literally have like six projects that are going on right now. So it's, it's a lot going on. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's awesome to be part of all that. And you, you're thankful for sure. I mean, because getting to work on such amazing projects and imagine when COVID ends, how crazy your life will even be more, more traveling, exactly. more everything. It's a little yeah. different because you can do a lot of things uh remote in certain ways but you know yeah. it is what it is yeah. for sure where do we have yeah, your, absolutely and I, I enjoy the social aspect of it you know? where's your best social media people can connect with you follow you and stuff for you oh, um you can follow me on instagram official kook harrell official k-u-k-h-a-r-r-e-l-l and you can also um go to my website kookharrell.com awesome well thanks again yeah. and your story is fantastic, and everyone needs to go and check out Dine In for Justice and City of Hope. Yeah. And then especially yes. the story of what they were able to do for you and how they're helping yeah. other people and how they're treating so many people that are yeah. dealing with these challenges. So thanks again. For yeah, that. absolutely. And if, I, if and, I can also say, you know, for, uh, for you know, just speaking to men, early detection is the best. You know, um, early detection and just don't be afraid to just go and get your checkup. You know, a lot of men are afraid to go get that checkup. But if you sense that you're having problems urinating or anything like that, just don't even mess with it. Right. Just go get it checked out and it, it'll, uh, you, you'll save yourself a lot of work on the back end. Well, great story. Yeah. It was great meeting you, Kook. And I'm so sorry I mispronounced your name. No, that's no okay. it's all, it's no worries. It's great meeting you both. <laughs> And thank you so much for having me. And Bridget, thank you so much for bringing clarity to yes, all Bridget. that. All right, guys. Thanks. Appreciate <laughs> it, everybody. All right, guys. Okay. That was uh, the Caregiver Dear Celebrity segment on the Neil Haley Show. Take care, guys.